Martha Lowry Pugh, often referred to as the Empowering Diva, is a voice for women's empowerment. She's the CEO of Living the Empowered Life, LLC, where she teaches women how to create transformational businesses that make money and make a difference. Tamiko is also the host of Living the Empowered Life podcast and the founder of the Still Standing Alliance, a nonprofit organization that focuses on domestic violence advocacy, awareness, and prevention. As a survivor of domestic violence, Tamiko is very transparent about her healing journey. This has allowed her to construct a powerful movement dedicated to the empowerment and personal development of women across the world. She is a compassionate mentor, a friend, an enthusiastic leader, and visionary. Tamiko is a member of the E-Woman Network Atlanta Chapter and the National Coalition of 100 Black Women, Inc., Mecca Chapter, where she served as the first vice president of the program. She is an active member of Women in Spotlight Going Global, Professional Women in Advocacy, the Classy Living Society, and several other professional organizations. Over the years, she has received many awards and recognitions, including the Rising and Community Excellence Award, Female Visionary of the Year Award, and most recently, Tamika received the Legend of Champions Award, as well as Unsung Hero Award for her dedication to the fight to end violence against women, just to name a few. Tamiko earned her business degree from Colorado Technical University. She is a certified domestic violence advocate, and after attending the International Coaching of Science Research Institute, she obtained certifications as a certified life coach and public speaker and master communicator. Tamiko is also a trained certified master life coach trainer. Tamiko believes that empowerment comes from within and can be achieved by honoring yourself, your values, and expressing your talents and gifts. Let's welcome her. And welcome back, Grief Nation listeners. Today on our podcast, we have Tamiko Lowry Pugh, and this is in the series Oath. Hi, Tamiko. How are you? I am good. How are you today? I'm blessed and glad that you are here to share your story today. Um, how's everything going? Everything is going good, you know, in spite of, uh, you know, some of the things and some of the adversities that we experienced as a country in the past year. Um, I will say that, you know, my family and I are blessed and, and, and just in a thankful and, and a, and a state of gratitude. Absolutely. Thank you so much. So we're going to just jump right into our interview today. And can you tell us a little bit about your journey of becoming the empowering diva? <laughs> yes, yes. That's a really good question. I get that a lot. Um, so here's the thing. I've always had a passion um, for really inspiring people, for empowering people. Um, but being in, so let me kind of back up a little bit. Yeah. Um, I was in an abusive, very toxic, abusive relationship, right? So, you know, me always wanting to be that, I was always the go-to person to my friends. I was always that person that encouraged everyone. Um, but being in this abusive relationship, it really stripped me of my self-worth, my self-esteem, uh, my self-confidence, right? And so I thought, I, I, it made me feel like I wasn't good enough. I wasn't good enough to be in that space of women's empowerment because I felt like, you know, if I'm in this relationship, why would someone want to listen to me? And not only that, because my self-esteem was so broken, mm -hmm. um, I just didn't feel good enough. But as I began um, to, you know, to rebuild my life after abuse, I wanted to create a platform where I can empower other women who are actually going through what I was able to survive. 
Um, and, and it worked. I, you know, I launched my nonprofit organization. Um, but what I realized was that it took me to go through that experience to understand my self-worth um, and to really be comfortable. And here, let me rephrase that. I think what it did was it pushed me into my purpose. Mm-hmm. It pushed me into my purpose um, to be able to empower women. And it's oftentimes we have no idea what our purpose is or that thing that we really want to do, but it takes a situation like that to really push you into your purpose. So that's actually how it happened. Um, and just really wanting to empower women. And so the Empowering Diva, I just feel like that's who I am. Um, it's a way of life for me. I love to encourage. I love to inspire. I love to empower people in general. So of course, that's where the word empowering comes from. But when we think about the word diva, oftentimes we think of diva as like um, someone with an attitude, right? Or something like that. But what I did was I took the acronym for DIVA and it stands for Divinely Inspired, Virtu- Virtuous, and Anointed. Mm-hmm. So Divinely Inspired, Virtuous, and Anointed. And I feel like we all should walk, um, you know, the walk of like the Proverbs woman, right? Mm-hmm. So being that virtuous woman. So that's where it comes from. Well, that's a beautiful story. And thank you so much for um, being vulnerable to share those intimate parts of your life of being a survivor and wanting to empower women. Can you please share what are some unforeseen signs for someone being in a domestic, um, uh, that's being domestically abused? Yeah, so there are so many signs, so many warning signs that we oftentimes overlook, especially women, um, because we get into a relationship, you fall in love with a person, right? And I'm going to just use my personal experience. You think you've met the man of your dreams, your Prince Charming. And for me, um, that dream can turn into my worst nightmare per se, right? So there were things that happened early on that were warning signs Mm -hmm. that I didn't pay attention to. So things like extreme jealousy, sometimes we look at jealousy as like, oh, he just really, you know, he loves me. He doesn't want anyone around me. Mm-hmm. But extreme jealousy is one of those unforeseen signs that we don't look at as a warning sign, but it really is. Yeah. Um, you know, and the other thing is discouraging you from being around your friends and family. I had an amazing group of friends uh, when he and I met and He just wanted it to be me and him. Again, you know, I confused um, him being jealous and him wanting me to be around him all the time and not my friends and family members as love, right? He would be like, well, you don't need to be around them. You know, they're still single. You know, you're about to get married. You're in this relationship. And I looked at at it as like, you know what? He just cares about me. He just wants the best for me. But it was a warning sign. Mm -hmm. And then... Um, things like not letting me make my own decisions, Miami. So it would be things like, you know, I'm a very outgoing person. I like colors, colors brighten up my day, yellows, hot pinks, those colors make me feel good. Um, I'm a free spirit. And so things like buying my clothes for me, like putting me in pantsuits, right? Having my hair pulled back in a little tight bun, um, you know, just the, the, the polished um, professional corporate look, it was cool, but it wasn't me. Yeah. So he would make those decisions for me all the way down to the, to the career that I had. Oh, you should get into real estate. I went to real estate school because he wanted me to go to real estate school. <laughs> I dressed a certain way because that's how he wanted me to dress. Mm-hmm. So him making those decisions for me, again, confusing that for love, mm-hmm. 
He wants what's best for me. He wants me to be cute and polished, but it was control. Mm -hmm. And so when you think about those small things, all it is is power and control. Domestic violence, abuse is power and control at the end of the day. So when a person does something that can control you, jealousy can control you, right? Because you're you're like, well, if I do this, he's going to get upset. That's control. Mm -hmm. um, controlling the finances, right? Insulting or demeaning you. That's control. Discouraging you from being around your friends and family. You don't do it because you feel like he's going to be upset. That is a form of power and control. And that's all domestic violence is. And so I really want women to understand um Here's the thing, understanding your intuition, right? Your intuition, the Holy Spirit, your gut, your gut, whatever it is, like paying attention to that early on. Cause we see the signs, we just overlook them. Yeah. And do exactly as you say, oh, we consider that as he loves me or mm -hmm. this is a different type of love that I haven't had or, you know. Um, yeah, and those are the things that happen before it gets physical. Cause people are always like, well, oh, why did you stay? And if he would have put his hands on me, no ma'am, it doesn't, on the first day, you're not getting slapped around, right? right? It's, it go, you go through that honeymoon stage. And by the time they get done breaking down your spirit, yeah, your self-confidence, and then the physical abuse happened at that point, sometimes victims think that they deserve it at that point. Mm -hmm. All you want to do is get back to the, to that place where he loved you and everything was just wonderful. Right. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, do you have any resources um, that you can share with that for someone that is in crisis? Yeah. So a couple of different things when it comes to resources, and it really depends on um, the stage that you're on, you're in, you know, if you're ready to leave, if you're thinking about leaving, if you've already left. So different um, resources for different people. But the number one thing I will say, if you are in danger, you need to call 911. Mm -hmm. If you're in danger, call 911, tell a neighbor, tell a friend, look, I need help. Yeah. Um, the other thing is reaching out to your local domestic violence coalitions. Like every state has a domestic violence coalition um, that's led by the National Coalition of Domestic Violence. But when you think coalition, those are the ones that have the financial resources. They have the shelter, um, the list for the different shelters that you can go to. They can help you to get the, your protective order. That's the next thing I wanted to talk about um, is making sure that you get a protective order because that's going to protect you as a victim. Um, and then some other resources. Um, let me do this real quick. I want to give the telephone number for the National Domestic Violence Hotline, which is available 24-7. And that's 1-800-799-7233, 1-800-799-7233. And they can connect you with your local uh, domestic violence co coalition. They can connect you with different shelters, um, things of that nature. Thank you. Um, there was something else I wanted to add to that, putting together a domestic violence safety plan. Right, so if you're still in that relationship, um, even if you've left, having a safety plan is very, very important. My organization, the Still Standing Alliance, we help put together those safety plans. So there's one, um, if you're in the relationship and you're not sure if you're ready to leave, there are safety precautions that you can take, right? We help you put together that safety plan. Um, the other one is when you're ready to leave. You can um, have a safety plan for that. You have to have one for when you're ready to leave. If not, here's the thing. When a, when a victim is ready to leave that relationship, 
um, that is the most critical day of their life. And it has to be done the right way. You, a lot of people say, well, just leave. Or, you can't just leave. What if he's crazy? What if he has a gun? What if she's being threatened? What about the kids, right? So people don't understand all that. So putting together a strategic safety plan to help you leave is so important. And you never ever tell um, the abuser, I'm leaving you today, or I'm getting ready to leave you because that's when the abuse gets the worst. And again, it's the most critical moment. This is when you see the most homicides or the, the, the harshest case of abuse. And I'm gonna just share my story. Um, I remember being in the car with my ex-husband who was abusive, driving up Interstate 85 um, here in Atlanta. I was in the driver's seat and I was ready to go. I'm thinking this day, I was like, I'm just gonna tell him I'm leaving. And we were driving and I said, I can't do this anymore. I'm leaving you today. And he said, B, if you leave me, I will kill both of us. And he literally took the steering wheel and tried to force us in an accident. Um, we ended up on the side of the road where he beat me and strangled me until I was unconscious. Um, I remember waking up on the interstate in the middle of 85 with cars swerving around me, blowing their horns, beep, beep, trying to prevent from hitting me. Um, thank God I, I survived that day. Like that was the day that I survived. That was the day that my advocacy began. And I, the reason why I'm saying is because I want people to know how critical it is to actually have a plan and not just say, I'm gonna leave, right? Um, and then having a safety plan for after you leave. There's so many things you gotta learn. You have to protect yourself, right? Getting that temporary, temporary protective order. So your local coalition can have, help you with that. Um, we help with that at the Still Standing Alliance. You can go to our website, thestillstandingalliance.org. Um, so those are some of the resources that I can think of um, immediately that could help a victim. Wow, that was a lot. And, and I'm so sorry that that happened to you, but I'm so grateful that you came out on the other side and that you're helping others um, through this process. Um, thank you so much for showing up um, every day that I'm, I'm sure that was difficult, a difficult part of your life, but thank God that you're here. Um, your advocacy work that you have talked about is a huge part of your journey. Um, can you share what um, you've been able to accomplish? And also, I know you have some training programs as well. Yeah. So, you know, again, our life experiences push us into our purpose. When I was growing up as a little girl and somebody said, uh, what do you want to be as an adult? I didn't think, oh, I want to grow up to be a domestic violence advocate, right? Like, right. that's just not something um, that you think about as a child. And... Um, so again, it was something, advocacy work is something that I kind of fell into, pushed into my purpose. And um, some of the things that I've been able to do um, as an advocate that I'm very grateful for, um, I'm going to go back to like 2014. I think that was the first time that I had an opportunity to actually um, create change as far as it, legislation is concerned. Um, there was a bill, it was called House Bill 911, and it made strangulation a felony in the state of Georgia. Prior to that, it was a misdemeanor. And I remember being asked by the Georgia Coalition Against Domestic Violence, hey, you know, we're working on this piece of legislation that we want to pass. We want to um, make strangulation a felony. And at that time, I really didn't know a lot about political advocacy. Mm -hmm. So that was my really my first introduction to it. And I'm like, okay, well, what do I need to do? So they, you know, they taught me the entire advocacy process. And I remember 
doing my research on strangulation. Um, and this is the thing that, that made all those state legislators and the senators vote yes on the bill. I did my research and what I learned in my research was that, um, so there's a difference one between strangulation and, and choking. Cause I always be like, oh, he choked me, but no, it was, I was being strangled. Mm -hmm. So if you think about a firm handshake, a firm handshake, um, they say it is about, um, about a little under, about, about eight pounds is, um, a firm handshake could be like eight pounds of pressure. Mm -hmm. It only takes four pounds of pressure to strangle someone to death. Wow. You know what I mean? And so I remember sharing that and talking about being strangled until I thought I was getting ready to lose my life. And I remember crying. I remember looking up at the state Capitol. I'm in the Capitol and I'm looking at all these state legislators and these lawmakers and they're crying. And I just, you know, at that moment, I was like, okay, either they're going to vote yes or no, they're crying. So I think they're going to vote yes. Right. But that was my first time being able to create change. Mm -hmm. And I remember the next day, like they, they voted quickly. Typically they're in those hearings for a long time. It was quick. I got a phone call the next day. They're like, Tamika, they passed, they passed the law. Yeah. It's now a felony. So that was like my first, even thinking back on it, I'm like, oh my gosh, mm -hmm. I don't really talk about that that much, but I'm even sharing this. I'm like, man, yeah. Like that was very interesting. So um, it's a felony. It's a felony now. Um, so I'm thankful for that. And then um, 2018, yeah, in 2018, um, we did a campaign for the Crime Victims Rights Bill to be added to the state constitution in Georgia. Um, so prior to that, crime victims, and it didn't matter if you were a victim of domestic abuse, sexual assault, gunshot, it didn't matter. Crime victims in general did not have constitutional rights, um, but the accused did, right? When they get read those Miranda rights, you have the right to remain silent, you have the, the right to an attorney, those are constitution. that's in the constitution. Mm -hmm. What happens to the victim? You're just standing there, they're getting read their rights and you're standing there like, okay, well, what rights do I have? Yeah. Um, there is a crime victims bill of rights, but it wasn't constitutional. Mm -hmm. So they didn't really have to follow that. So we fought for like two years. I literally traveled the state of Georgia from Atlanta all the way to Savannah for an entire year interviewing crime victims of different types of crime, um, getting their experiences, getting their testimonies. And so when it came, came time to go to the Capitol and do our hearings, we had all these different crime victims who had experienced, um, their experience wasn't that great as a victim. It's like they were being re-victimized again, going through that entire court process. But in November of 2008, um, the state of Georgia voted to add the crime victims' right bill to the constitution. So it was a an amendment to the constitution, amendment number four. So I'll never forget that. So that those are the two major things um, that I was able to accomplish as an advocate. And I don't want to just take full responsibility because it was a group of advocates mm -hmm. that did it. And, you know, we all came together. Um, I was just thankful enough to be able to use my voice because I do realize that everyone is not going to be able to speak up. Mm -hmm. And so just being able to be the voice for those people who weren't able to speak up. Um, and then um, the other thing is with our nonprofit, we do have a bunch of trainings. And so we have our teen dating violence awareness training. One of them is specifically um, for middle school and high school students. Um, 
Then we have the one for adults who serve youth and for parents. So that training is specifically for like counselors, teachers, um, youth groups, parents, teaching them the signs of teen dating violence, um, how to intervene and things of that nature. And then we have a faith-based training for the faith-based community. What we realize is that when a victim um, is going through something like that, oftentimes the first place they go to is their faith-based community, their church, their mosque, whatever the case may be, like that's where they go. And a lot of those communities don't know how to handle domestic violence or they don't talk about it. Right. So we have this training specifically for faith-based leaders to teach them the importance of, of having maybe a ministry or a support group for victims and survivors and partnering with organizations that can help them. Mm -hmm. um, and just really, the, it's, a, it's a really in-depth training. And then our other training um, is for corporations. So right now we like have a, we work with Bank of America, Merrill Lynch. We've worked with Verizon in the past where we go in and do a training mm -hmm. um, with their HR staff and some of their leaders and teaching them how to handle domestic violence when it happens. And then the Domestic Violence 101 training is for anyone. Um, and we do those quarterly, they're free. It's a free training that we do quarterly. Um, and Domestic Violence 101 is just really teaching advocates and people in the community who want to learn more about domestic violence. So um, that's what our training programs look like. Well, I was going to ask you about the brand and, and what is living the empowered life, but that is living the empowered life. And I'm sure there is so much more, but I'm so grateful for you and for you even to mention about um, families or the, you know, those that have been victimized and them going to their faith faith to um, try to handle these um, issues or concerns that they may have when they're unequipped mm -hmm. to even support them in that manner. Um, but thank God that, you know, you, your organization, your nonprofit um, have um, the ability to share um, with the individuals that are being victimized and, and that, that needs the support because um, for so many years, like we all know, um, not talking and sharing our stories has held us back from getting the support that we need. So I'm so grateful for you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Um, and what are other parts of your brand that we possibly haven't discussed so people can get to know you? Okay, so we talked about the advocacy portion, which I really run that under the Still Standing Alliance, which is a nonprofit. Um, I just found that it was easier to do it as a nonprofit because um, it is easier. I'm not easy. It's just easier to do it as a nonprofit because I do have a separate brand, which is Living the Empowered Life, which is my life after abuse. Um, so you know, still standing was my thing. Like I am still standing, right? And so we're, we're still standing, but the next phase of that for me personally was living the empowered life. And so after you go through something, right? You, you've, you've been a victim, now you're a survivor, um, you're still standing. And for me, that next, that next thing was to live that empowered life. And living the empowered life is really to, it really focuses on helping women um, to be empowered from the inside out. And so there are certain things I believe that you have to do to get to that place. So there are six principles to living the empowered life. And I actually, it's like one of the little books that I wrote um, is the six steps to living the empowered life. And so once you go through like the domestic violence 
assault, whatever it is that you've gone through, it doesn't even have to be domestic violence. Like we've all overcome some things, mm -hmm. but there are six um, principles that I came up with. And one of them is the fear factor, overcoming fear, um, living a life of purpose. Cause at this point, you should know your purpose. Whatever that thing is that you went through, I'm sure that there was some type of purpose, there's a meaning behind it. Um, understanding your values, um, setting goals that actually move you forward forward in life, because we don't want to go backwards to what we were before, right? We want to keep moving forward in life. Um, the other principle is having ultimate self-confidence, which is really having, um, it's empowering yourself from the inside out and then walking in your authentic power. Um, we go through so many things in life that we lose our power. And how do you regain that power to walk in your authentic power? Who am I authentically? I talked about being in that abusive relationship, losing myself. He dressed me. He told me where I had to work, what I had to do, all of those things. So regaining your power back and knowing that it's okay to walk in your authentic power and be the person that God has called you to be. So that's what living the empowered life is really all about. Um, that entire brand encompasses um, so it's living the empowered life brand, but then we also have living the empowered life Academy, which is the Academy. Um, where we do a lot of our trainings, teaching you how to use your expertise, your story to create transformational businesses based off of what it is you're, you've gone through because nine times out of 10, someone else is going through that. They're where you used to be. And you can either coach them through that. You can become a speaker and speak on that topic and help someone. So that's what the Academy does. And then living the empowered life podcast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And living the empowered life, uh, life coach training program. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And I was just going to ask you, who is a good candidate for any of the, the coaching programs that you have? Yeah. So any of those programs, if you are, so we, it's definitely geared towards women, um, but women who have inspirational stories of overcoming life's adversities, whatever that thing was you were able to overcome, um, you're the perfect candidate. You have some type of experience, some type of expertise, something uh, that you've gone through that you're able to help someone else in that area. Um, the coaching program is really specifically for women who have gone through from victim to survivor, and now you're ready to move into that next phase. Yeah. Yes. Thank you so much for sharing that. And you did share one of your books with us, but you are, you are a very um, well-versed author. Um, can you share some of the other uh, publications that you have out? Yes. And you know what? I forgot. I meant to grab a couple of them off my bookshelf, but so my very first book was Wounds to Wisdom. I'm still standing. And that was uh, my first book where I shared my story, my personal testimony of everything that I've, because it was just more than domestic violence, like teenage pregnancy. I had my daughter at 17, um, parents both being addicted to drugs and just kind of navigating that whole thing, being wounded from a child mm -hmm. up until um, I was in, in, in an unfortunate domestic violence relationship. So wounds to wisdom really touches on all the wounds that we experience. Mm -hmm. um, and then turning those wounds, wounds into wisdom and learning from them. So wounds to wisdom, I, that, so that's my first book. And then after that, um, there's a book series, Wounds to Wisdom, where we take, I take the stories of domestic violence survivors and we compile them in the book. So each one of those books has 12 stories. So it has the one with my story, and then we're on volume three right now 
um, with the compilation. So every other year we do another compilation, we get 12 stories and compile those in the book. And what I love about that book series is that these are women, some of them may have been out of those domestic violence relationships, maybe a year, maybe two years, but they're still trying to find their way. And what that book does for them is it gives them an opportunity to not only share their story and help other people, but now they're authors. So they have this book that they can sell and they can bring money, you know, into their household and they can leave a legacy. So that's what I love the most about that. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Um, yeah. So those are the books. And the one more is the 21 days of self-love, which is like a 21 day self-love challenge. Wow. You have been busy. <laughs> I know. I have been. Busy. I'm so grateful though. I'm like, it's only... God is it's only God that I could really do all of this. Like growing up, I'm like, I would have never thought I would be an author. Like, you know, who I'm not good enough to write a book, but you can do anything. Yeah, you you you're proven that um if you know, I we kind of have similar stories, um, even though yours is domestic violence and mine has been the loss of losing my son to um gun suicide, but the the journey of getting here. I was also a teen mother. So we, we, we know, um, what, you know, that whole putting us in this statistical world of, you know, what we are going to be capable of doing, um, back in the day. Um, and I just, I, I never considered myself a statistic. I just knew that, you know, um, even with me having my daughter, um, so young that I could still do so many things. And I was grateful that, um, I too had some challenges with my ex-husband with, um, abuse, but I was glad that I was able to move forward and, you know, and still even, you know, experiencing what I had to experience with losing my son. Um, the advocacy work has really, um, moved me into, like you said, uh, a, a, a space in my life that I never even uh, fathom would be possible. I uh, yeah. just, like you said, I, I didn't wake up saying, Oh, I just want to be a grief coach, you know, <laughs> Who yeah. said that? you know, so, um, yeah, kind of thrown into this work, but, um, I, I'm, I love every bit of it and, and it does, you know, our stories, does definitely push us into our purpose. So I'm so grateful for your journey and that you have stayed the course. Thank you. Thank you. Um, you were, you did mention the Empowered Life podcast. Share um, a little bit about your listening community and share why you created that space. Yeah. So living the Empowered Life podcast, that was literally, I launched that last year and it had been on my heart for about three years. So you know, we all have these fears, these insecurities, no matter how much we've accomplished, there's still going to be that little thing in the back of your head saying you're not good enough. Um, But I knew that it needed to get out there. And so living the Empowered Life podcast is really um, an opportunity for me to interview industry professionals. And when I say industry professionals, I mean, women like us, right, that have stories, we've overcome something, and we want we want to share that information with other people to give them hope. So it's really about giving other women hope because every person that I get an opportunity to interview, they have an amazing story. And I'm sure there's millions of people out there that can relate to that. And so it gives them hope. So at the end of the day, I just really um, did that so that I can have people like you come on and um, you know, people who are definitely making a difference and walking in their purpose, no matter what the circumstances were. You know, they've overcome that adversity and they can share that with other women uh, to give them hope and let them know that everything's going to be okay. You're not in this by yourself. Yes. And I I truly appreciate my feature 
on your podcast. I really enjoyed it. And um, you have such a beautiful voice as well to uh, interviewing voice. I don't oh, know if anybody's ever said that to you, but it's very calming and very, um, you know, I felt very at home and relaxed um, and not pressured because sometimes, you know, um, not even knowing the interview process, if, 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 if there's an individual that hasn't been um, have showcased their story on a podcast, you just don't know what to expect. But I felt very at ease and very welcomed. Um, and um, I, I appreciate that opportunity of being able to share my story. Um, what are some of your self-care practices? Uh, because of all of the work that you do, what are some things that you can share with us yes. um, that you do to support you with all this work that you have? Yeah, self-care is important, especially with, I mean, self-care is important for anyone, um, but when you do the work that we do, you do advocacy work, it can be very emotionally draining. Um, you pick up a lot of energy from people. And I remember there would be times where I would just be sad for no reason. I'd be like, why am I sad? Like, I just feel sad. And my husband was like, well, you know, you just got done speaking to a group of domestic violence victims or, you know, the group of women that you're coaching, you're taking on all that energy. So I had to learn how to really decompress and not take that on. Mm -hmm. um, and so for me, having a daily spiritual practice really helps me, my prayer and meditation. And um, I do a daily devotional every morning. Um, I call it, you know, having um, just coffee, coffee with me and God. I have my, that's when I have my cup of coffee. I have my devotional and my journal. Mm -hmm. And that's where I'm, where I'm writing. Um, and that's, that's my quiet time. So I have to do that every morning. That's how I start my day. Mm -hmm. um, and really being um, strategic about putting that on my calendar because it's easy for me to be like, you know what? I don't have an appointment until 11. I'm gonna just lay here, but really forcing myself to get up and to get into that practice. And the other thing during quarantine, I started doing yoga. So sometimes even when I'm stretching or, you know, doing yoga, that's when I get to do my meditation. I can just sit in silence. So yoga is really good. Um, Another self-care thing, some, and this, I, to me, it's self-care. So sometimes we um, keep in track of your accomplishments, right? So sometimes we're hard on ourselves. So for me, keeping track of my accomplishments, um, that's self-care for me. Because mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, you know, it's okay to toot your own horn sometimes and keeping track of those things that you've been able to do because there's been times like the work we do is exhausting. And there's been times where I'm like, do I even wanna do this? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm tired. I don't know if I wanna do this anymore. I'm gonna shut the, the foundation down cause I'm exhausted. But then when I have conversations like this with you and I get to think about the accomplishments and everything we've done, I'm like, you know what? I gotta keep going. I'm not gonna give up. Mm -hmm. So that's what, you know, tracking your, your accomplishments, that's what that can do for you. Um, being in a place of gratitude, um, I'm, I like to write, so, um, and I have my clients do this too, but I have a gratitude journal. Um, and so I do, I do two things. Um, at the end of every night, I write down, you know, three things that I'm grateful for that happened in that, that day for myself. And then my husband and I do the same thing. Um, we have a conversation at the end of the night, like, what am I grateful for? Or we'll call it like three blessings. What are three things, um, you know, that blessed our relationship today or that we're, that we're grateful for? And that really helps. Wow. Um, two more things, unplugging from social media, because mm -hmm. social media is very busy. 
and I, you could find yourself scrolling and being depressed, looking at all the stuff on the news. Like when we were dealing with COVID, I did not watch the news. I rarely got on social media and people would be like, oh, did you see the COVID numbers? Mm -mm, I didn't because I'm not watching. I'm not watching TV. I'm not watching the news. And I took all my notifications off my phone. And if, if it's an emergency, y'all gonna text me and tell me because you're texting me now. I'm like, did you see that? <laughs> so um, protecting my peace. That's what I'm gonna call it. Protecting my peace yeah. and learning to say no. Yes. Unapologetically. Yes. Because I'm yes. a people pleaser. I used, right. to be, well, used to be recovering people pleaser. <laughs> I like nobody to be mad at me. So anything they ask me to do, I'm gonna just do it. Yeah, yeah. But mm -mm. yeah, Cold creating those boundaries are very important. Uh, trust me, I do understand, and I'm I, I, I truly appreciate you adding in that um, about keeping up with you know all of your accomplishments. Just like I have a if I have a self care plan, and I'm constantly telling people, you know, create a self care plan, create this kind of plan, create. But we do need to um, be reminded of you know what all we've done because, like you talked about, that um, holding in that energy, which is called um, compassion fatigue, you know, because we are overwhelmed with. Write that down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it's it's it's. Um, we're holding it onto everybody's energy because just like you said you and your husband saying he can point it out to you you just did this you're not you're not thinking about that but you just did this and you just did this you just did that you just spoke to a girlfriend on the phone or mm -hmm. you know someone you know people love to bring their problems to people like you and I and we love to you know be a reciprocator of that um not realizing that we really are holding on to it so um you know that part of I'm going to I'm going to put that into my plan as well now is um, the reminder of who I am. Yeah. You know, Miami, there was something I just thought about, too, that you reminded me of. And I share this. You talked about the self-care plan. Mm -hmm. but Didn't you talk about the little sticky notes? Yeah. 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 I knew. OK, I was like, <laughs> I mean, I've interviewed yeah. quite a few people, but that stuck out to me having the little sticky. Uh -huh. notes. That's what's right there. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah. everywhere. They're in my, they're in my bedroom. There's one in my spiritual space. There's one in my car, you know, or I keep it on my phone on uh, next to my bed because when we're having these feelings of um, um, the, the self-limiting beliefs, when they, when they start to stir up in us, because, you know, we're not healed from that. They're, they're still going to come around. Um, but the, to negate that would be, of course, us saying some affirmations or like you said, sh showing, you know, the things that we have done, the accomplishments that we have done. So I truly believe if I have that, you know, in my view or if I, you know, readily available for me to, to go back and say, you know, what, like you said, I don't really feel like doing this today. It's not like every time I get ready to do a podcast, I'm like, Ooh, yeah, I got a podcast today. <laughs> like this morning I woke up with this excruciating back pain and I'm like, you know, but I got a podcast at three o'clock, you know, but I, you know, I got to do what I got to do, but yet still, it, even in that, um, the reminders and thank you for sharing that. And I, and I hope that really helps someone else too. Mm -hmm to do that because a part of the gun violence prevention movement, and I'm going to move on from this in a second. Um, we often have to submit, you know, the stories that we share and that's an accomplishment. Um, so I I'm saying that to say also, cause I know a lot of my um, viewers are from the gun violence prevention movement, keeping up with those, um, um, speaking engagements and keeping up with, you know, where we're sharing our stories is an accomplishment. So, 
Um, and it'll also help us because we have to do so many within a year. But outside of that, that's to also show me, you know, this is the work that I, I'm committing my life to. Because at the end of the year, like I just, my my final podcast for this year was on um, review of 2020. And with me being able to keep up with all my engagements um, because of those forms that we have to submit, I was like, you know, this is an easier process than me having to go back through the whole year. So thank you for sharing about the list to create about the accomplishments. I really, and everything else that you shared, all of the, the self-care things that we didn't even, I didn't even think about. Yeah, that is a self-care um, practice. So thank you for sharing that. What's next for your journey? Oh, girl. <laughs> I think that's a good good question. So, you know, everybody's like, what's your new year's resolution? What are the goals for 2021? You know, you gotta, everybody wants to do something new. I am really at a place where I just want to, and I don't want to use the word perfect, but to elevate what I'm already doing. Mm. Um, I love the Living the Empowered Life brand. I love what we're doing with the nonprofit. I'm not certain that I want to add anything else onto that except to kind of to just elevate it and take it to another level. Um, and I like to operate um, in a flow per se. Um, I try not to overthink stuff. So if something comes to me, you know, while I'm doing a power walk, then that's great, an idea. But this year I, I really didn't sit down and write out a lot of goals for the business. Well, you know what? Well, for me personally, I did because I think last year and the past few years, my focus has been on other people, on the business, you know, the people pleasing. So uh, a personal goal I do have for myself is to um, take better care of Tamiko mm -hmm. and um, do more things for me because I don't do a lot of stuff for myself. So personally, that's that. But for the brand, just kind of seeing what if I could take it to another level. I love affirmations and quotes. Um, so we have the Living the Empowered Life t-shirts. And so one of the things I did think about is, is having like a, um, adding an affirmation brand of t-shirts to that. So if I do anything, it would be it would be that. Yeah, that, that is so cute. I love that idea. I, I, and I wish you well on that and, and many uh, blessings and abundance that comes with yeah. that. So that that's a beautiful idea. Um, I, I did want to ask you, because you did speak a little bit about COVID um, and the pandemic. Mm -hmm. I always like to ask this question um, because what did you find out about yourself during that time of the pandemic and, and everything shutting down and now you have to reposition uh, your, yourself in the business and the, for, and the, and the nonprofit um, and the brand itself? What did you find out about yourself during that time or now? If you look yeah. back, I found out that, and so this is not going to be nothing deep or nothing like that, right? But it has to be. <laughs> for me, it's like, um, I like action movies. Didn't really realize I like action movies and I like um, movies like Narcos and they're fighting. And because <laughs> uh -huh. uh -huh. I never, I feel like I had never really had an opportunity to sit down and binge watch TV. So, through, COVID gave me the opportunity to just sit down, watch TV. Because when people would be like, what type of movies you like? I'm like, I don't know. No, I know. I like action-packed movies with fighting and shooting and people jumping off of buildings. Like, love that type of stuff. So I learned that about myself. <laughs> but I also learned um, that, I, that I can be creative. 
So having to come up with, what, what did we say we did this year? A lot of people said they had to pivot or kind of rearrange the way you do business. So kind of being creative um, and coming up with other ways to bring in income, um, to serve, you know, our domestic violence community. So um, really being able to tap into those creative juices. Yeah, yeah. Oh, one more thing. Yeah. <laughs> I started a garden while we were while we were doing uh, COVID. So um, I like outdoors. So I started a garden, grew, grew some tomatoes. Uh, the watermelon started to grow, but then it got cold, so it died off. So hopefully it'll come back yeah. in the spring. All my little um I have like my sage my mint so all my little seasonings like I've never thought that I would be that type of person I grew up up north um upstate New York Buffalo New York City girl so now um yeah I, wow. I have a little green thumb <laughs> <laughs> well you go girl see I think you know a lot of time we talk about how um this whole transition of being um of 2020 and being a part of the pandemic because we all have been a part of it um and making it through um and it's still happening but there were some great things that um mm -hmm. developed um i i i think um and it slowed us down like you said and, and and now we had time and space to think about some of the things that we would couldn't even imagine um but i'm, I'm so grateful for that time but i i forgot one thing that i did also want to mention since we're going back to um, the pandemic and COVID, um, that time, the rise of domestic abuse happened, mm. was happening um, because of that sheltered in order. Um, do you have any views of, about that or, or what was happening that maybe you got wind of or learned during that time? I mean, the only thing that I can say is, you know, having compassion because at the end of the day, you know, you got to think people were sheltered in with their abusers. Mm -hmm. um, and you couldn't go anywhere because the shelters were closed. They couldn't let people in. We didn't know when COVID first happened, it was a panic. Like, you know, we thought that, you know, the shelters were closed. You can't come in. It's almost like a movie. Like, no, we're not letting nobody in, you know. So you're in this relationship. You're sheltered in with your abuser they're frustrated because they're stuck in the house. So you have all these emotions and then people can't go to work. So what I realized is that a lot of domestic violence victims, their outlet was going to work. Yeah. I'm going to the gym after work, you know, I'm going to work then I'm going to the gym or I'm going to the grocery store or do some errands. Then I'll go home. Cause I don't have to deal with this person for a very long time, but now you can't go to work. You're stuck, you're sheltered in. And um, that's, it's, it's a sad place to be in. Yeah. Um, abusers are drinking more, right? They're frustrated. And so what, you know, one of the things that we tried to come up with was a self, um, a self care plan for those who were sheltered in place with their, with their abusers and just coming up with things that you can do, you know, do something, what feels good to you? Do you knit? Can you go sit outside? Can you start a garden? What can you do to occupy your time? What are his or her, I'm not going to just say his, but what are their triggers? Mm -hmm. like, what are those things that will trigger that person? Can you kind of just make sure that you're not triggering? I know that's like, well, you know, it's probably, some people are probably thinking like, well, why would she say that? If it triggers them, that's not her fault. But when you're sheltered in place, you want to make sure you know those triggers, right? So you don't push those buttons. Yeah. Um, 
and just coming up with different things you can do for self-care. What virtual communities can you be a part of? Mm-hmm. You know, just, it's, it's a sad place. I just couldn't imagine because I knew what it was like being in that in one of those relationships. I couldn't imagine being sheltered in place with somebody that's always taunting me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. Um, I appreciate us going back to that because mm-hmm. I think it's imperative for us to know um, even like you said, knowing what someone's triggers are, um, so that it, I can stay safe. You know, the, 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 at the end of the day, it's about me being safe. So it is important not to trigger someone's, um, you know, not to bring up some things that may be, that may trigger the abuser. So yeah. yes, that's important to know. And, and I also noticed too, while you were sharing that you were able to share like, yeah, when we were put in this position and I learned about what was happening to um, the victims, I created something um, to support them. And that's just what you do. That's who you are. And I'm thank you. Thank you. And that's what my podcast is about. I want to share, share, share um, all of the goods about Tamiko and, 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 <laughs> and share, you know, what you're doing. And, and if it's anything that you would ever like to partner on, if you want me to help you promote, I am here as a resource to you because I, I that's another thing that I love to do. I love to promote and um beautiful people like yourself and your mission. And um, if there are other books coming coming about, just let me know. We'll put it on our sites. We'll share, share, share. I'll have my um, gun violence prevention movement to also share. Uh, we just want to get the word out too. And, and if everything that you're doing, um, that's just, I know another gift that God gave me to help promote everybody's brand um, to, because um, just, you know, there's so much out here that we are dealing with. And I just want everybody that I know that I bring on um, are resourceful in supporting others. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. The Mm -hmm. last thing is um, for you to share a personal quote um, with my Grief Nation listeners and why that's your your personal quote. Okay. Um, So this is a quote that uh, probably came up with a few years. It was even before I had living the empowered life, but it's a, it's a quote about empowerment. So Uh, Empowerment comes from within and can be achieved by honoring yourself, your values, and expressing your talents and gifts. Um, And what that means is that, you know, empowerment is an inside job. Yes, we can look good and empowered from the outside, but what's happening on the inside? Are you really honoring yourself? Are you honoring your values? Sometimes we don't know what we value or what our values are. Right. So honoring yourself, honoring your values and understanding what those are, because I believe when you know your values, you won't end up in these weird other situations because you know what your value and you stick to that. And so if something is not in alignment with it, you know, like, I don't need to even go in that direction because it doesn't align with who I am. Um, so honoring your values, expressing your talents and your gifts. And what that means is what we're doing right now, we're expressing our talents and our God-given gifts. We're expressing them and we're using them to make a difference in the world. Um, So that's what that quote really means. Wow, that is so beautiful. So how can um, my Grief Nation listeners reach reach you or if someone wants to be a part of the Empowered Life, how can they reach you? So I have the same social media handle all across the board at Tamiko Laurie Pugh. And my website is TamikoLauriePugh.com. So everything is there. Okay. Thank you so much for sharing that. And before I let you go, what's your superpower? So I think someone asked me this before. Um, 
if I just had to say one word, and I feel like I use that word so much, but it's who I am. My superpower is empowering other women. Absolutely. Empowering other women to honor themselves and their values and their, their talents and gifts. Absolutely. I think that's what it is. Yes, yes, I agree with that. I agree with that so much. <laughs> Before I let you go, what are um, what is your call to action? And is there something that we possibly haven't discussed that um, you would like to see change or bring further awareness to? So I think we've definitely touched on a lot of stuff. I loved having this conversation with you. I love how um, it was just a flow, like a conversation. Um, and I think we talked about a whole lot of stuff, but the only thing I wanna say um, in closing um, to those who are listening, don't be afraid to say yes to an opportunity that could potentially change your life. And I say that because sometimes we have a fear to move forward in life and there's these opportunities that are presented and we're so afraid um, to say yes. So at the end of the day, just say yes. Here's something my mentor, I heard her say a couple of weeks ago. She said, what you doubt, you delay, mm -hmm. right? What you doubt, what you delay. And so if we are not um, saying yes to that opportunity that could, that could potentially change our life because we're doubting it, then we're delaying our purpose. We're delaying that breakthrough. We're delaying whatever that thing is, like, right, that we're supposed to walk into that success or whatever it may be. So don't be afraid to say yes to an opportunity that could change your life. Yes, I love that. Thank you so much, Tamiko Lowry Pugh, for joining It's the Miami Night Show Grief Talk. I truly appreciate your time today. And thank you for sharing so much valuable information to support others that are in the need of just being empowered and, and moving forward. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed it. You're welcome. Well, there you have it, Grief Nation listeners. And thank you for tuning in to another transformative segment on It's the Miami Night Show, Grief Talk. Today, we give thanks filled with love and gratitude for our special guest, Tamiko Lowry Pugh, for expressing your very unique grief journey and sharing ways of understanding the healing process. This is your girl, Miami Knight, with much love and light until we connect again spiritually. Bye-bye. He's got me walking that great one. Going slow mode. He's got me talking that great time. Going slow mode. He's got me clocking the way. It's the Miami Night Show. Hey, yeah. Slow mode. He's got me walking that great one. Going slow mode. He's got me talking that great time. Going slow mode. He's got me clocking the way. What up, tribe? It's Miami Night Show, Master hey, Coach. Yeah. Welcome to the Miami Night Show. He got me walking that grief walk. It's time for grief talk, y'all. Yeah. I talk about things you think about. It's Miami Nitro, Master Group Coach. Master Group Coach.